my favorite. Harleman. That's a very old joke, Harleman. That's before your time, Donovan. Oh my gosh, thanks, John. I appreciate that. Uh, goodness gracious, how do I even start? Okay, what? Uh, how's it going, guys? Let's just start from there. You guys doing all right? Man, it is a beautiful day outside. It is a beautiful day in here. The worship team did a great job uh, leading us uh, to the cross and we're going to continue that today with, with um, some scripture today. But it, it truly means a lot for me to be here today. Um, I, I look out in the crowd and I kind of walk through you guys um, before I came up here. And there's a lot of you I don't know. Um, there, the, this church looks a lot different than I, whenever I left uh, five months ago. Um, for those who do not know me, uh, my name is Rob Harlemert. Um, I am the senior leader, uh, lead minister at... Elevate Christian Church in Lexington, uh, Kentucky. Uh, we meet at Lexington Christian Academy, and uh, we are a new church plant. And uh, I, we started that church plant out of this congregation. We sent people out. This congregation sent people out to plant a church. So I come here to say that we did it. We planted a church. We are a church planting church. So be proud of that. Really, be proud of that. So as a, as a member of this church... Um, as, a, as, as a former staff member of this church, as a Timothy of this church, and now a missionary of this church, it feels really good to be back in my home church. I'm really thankful to see you guys uh, be back in my parent church. And I've sh I actually shared this stage with John and Dave for six years, and it's really cool to stand back in this spot and worship just alongside of you guys like I did for so long. Um, and I could stand up here and tell stories all day long. I could rail on Dave. I could rail on John for a long time. I got stories upon stories for the years that we were together. <laughs> so, uh, actually, I'll tell one story. I'll tell one story. Uh, this one, uh, I don't know if some of you, most of you guys have not heard this story be before. Some of you guys have heard this story before. So I'm going to rail on Donovan for a little bit. Um, the, Donovan is our youth minister here. Um, he's, come, he's preached a couple times. Uh, a lot of you guys just know him as the youth minister. A lot of you guys don't know a time before he was a youth minister. But he was actually a student here at Catalyst Christian Church. He was one of my students. And he was a, an incredible, incredible athlete back in the day. He's not an incredible athlete anymore. Um, and uh, he was on a state runner-up uh, soccer, uh, soccer team at Henry Clay. He was in fantastic shape. He was so much faster than me. But he actually got into weightlifting a little bit. And I think his like, ego got boosted up a little bit because he found out what the gym was. And I was speaking at youth group just like I normally did, minding my own business. And he said in the middle of my lesson, I bet you can't take me. And I'm like, let's find out right now. So I take off my mic and I go towards him and I grab him by the shoulders and he pushes me back. And I'm like, oh, he actually is a little bit strong. I was like, but I'm not going to lose to a high schooler. So I go back at him, we start pushing around, and I, I get him kind of in a, a bear hug. And I turn around, and I look, and I see 25 iPhones just videotaping me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is my worst nightmare. So uh, I was like, how do I end this as fast as possible so bad things don't happen? So what I do is I turn him around, and I give him one big squeeze. And as soon as I do that, his nose just starts gushing blood. And uh, we kind of hit it, and he's like, okay, I'm done. And he just gets up, and he goes into the kitchen area down in the basement. And from that point on, 
Donovan was all in in the youth group. He never missed a single youth group after that. He went on every single trip ever. He absolutely fell in love with the youth group. So I accomplished many goals that day. The first goal is I did not get catalyst on the news for a youth minister that beat up a kid. That was the first one. Uh, no other kid tried to wrestle me from that point on. Uh, they, they were terrified that that was going to happen to them. And the third one, Donovan fell in love with the youth group, and now you have a fantastic youth minister. So victories all around on that day so many years ago. But we're continuing today our series called The, the Church That Puts God First. Cal's entire year theme is putting God first in everything. It seems that a lot of churches kind of got a reshuffling of people over the years. Some of you guys have, were probably attending other churches just a couple years ago. Um, some of you guys grew up in different churches, and today you are sitting here at Catalyst Christian Church. And they, in Catalyst, we decided as a church that we were going to start from the beginning. And as long as we put God first in everything that we do, and we set a target at the end to put God first at the end as well, we will start off reaching every single goal that we have that God has for us. The first step in the process of putting God first is putting a marker down the road and saying we are going to do everything we can to go down this road and reach this goal. And if we choose to put God first in that, then everything should fall in place. How we spend our money, how we hire staff, how we do every program, everything that we do, we need to make sure that we put God first in that moment. So today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be an excellent church, what it looks like to be an excellent church. And today's main thing is this, our best for his glory. I'm going to say it one more time. The main thing today is this, our best for his glory. So the first question that came to my mind was, how do we become an excellent church? How do we, I haven't, I haven't studied this. There wasn't a book that I read that said, to be an excellent church, you do this in life. And it's actually kind of a hard metric to measure because it's very hard to measure God. God created us. We're supposed to serve him in everything we do. There is no metric on this earth to measure an excellent church under God's standards. There is none. In fact, we can't even fully comprehend God and his majesty and his excellence. So if God is the ultimate deliverer of excellence, how are we supposed to live up to the standards if we can't fully understand how good and great God is? In fact, we as a church even started making up terms in our daily talks to try to describe how, God, how good God was. We see terms in the scripture, or not in scripture, but we, we talk about terms every single day that we don't see in scripture just to try to describe how great God is. We talk about things like, well, who... So God, yeah. Um, so he created everything. Yes. So who created God? Well, God's always been here. Like, that, the, the, well, I can't, how do you comprehend that? Like, don't, just don't worry about it. You know, just like, just, just accept the fact that God created everything. He didn't, he didn't have a creator. I'm like, okay, okay, I got it. So God has three heads, right? Well, God doesn't really, you know, God, guys, God doesn't really have three heads. Like, he's not like a, like a, like a dragon, you know, he has three heads sticking out, like, and you're like, okay, well, well, what is that called? Well, it's called the Trinity. That, that's what we call it. Well, where's Trinity in the Bible? Well, it's not in the Bible. Okay, just stop asking questions. Just accept the fact that God is good. He has three heads, and that's what we're supposed to live by. That is the, the type of thing that we struggle with on a daily basis on how do we become an excellent church 
when we can't even comprehend how great God is. So what the church has done is it has created these great theological books, these great ideas from these great accomplished Christians that say, if you read these books, if you study the scripture, if you, if you go about the old traditions, then this is how you're supposed to be successful. I've read many of these books. Some of you have read a lot of these books. I've even gone to older people in the church, of people that, have, that are 80, 90 years old, and say, look, how do you become a, a successful minister? How do you become a successful church? How do you become an excellent church? And I remember coming out of Bible college, and I've read all these books, and I've talked to all these ministers, and I've done all of the internships. And the first church that I kind of uh, interacted with, I was really excited. I was going into my first meeting. It's like, man, we're going to talk about how to be an excellent church. But I learned that the very first thing that we talked about was like, so should we get rid of the pews? Do you think people would be mad if we got rid of the pews? And I'm like, pews? Like, what are we talking? Oh, oh, so we're going to switch from um, the hymnal to doing some stuff that a little early. Do you think people will get mad about that? Or, or like, we're, we're going to try to switch the little spending from, from the youth ministry to the children's ministry. I don't think the youth need any more money, right? And I remember sitting in these meetings, and I'm like, why in the world are we talking about this stuff? Like, why is this the most important thing in the world to talk about at this moment, moment, how does this make us go closer and closer to an excellent church? So over my years of study, over uh, being discipled honestly by John and Dave, and, and doing so many Bible studies with them, doing Bible studies with the elders here at church, I believe that there are two scriptures that describe what an excellent church should be. And Jesus happened to say both of them. So as a citizen of heaven, all of us, as heirs to the throne alongside Jesus, as someone who is filled with the Spirit alongside you guys, Jesus said these two scriptures. In Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus said this. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And just a couple chapters later, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And surely I will be with you always to the very ends of the age. All of the Bible has been boiled down to these two verses. These are the two verses that we preach about the most. These are the two verses that we talk about the most. These are the two verses that we have identified with that we are going to do these things. And there's a lot of weight behind these verses. The entire Bible, everything that Jesus ever taught, has been hindered upon these two scriptures here. So a healthy church, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, we describe that as worship. Worship at its core is this taking everything that we have and we say, we're going to give it all to you. God, you are so good. God, you are so great. And I'm going to express my way to you on just how great you are. That is worship. It's not just music. Everything from start to finish that we do on a Sunday morning, everything that we do on our daily life is worship. 
how we spend our money, how we communicate, how we talk to people, how we love people, how we be with people, how we come here and we take communion, how we give, how we, how we sing in songs, how we study the scriptures together, how we talk about scriptures like I am today. All of that is worship and we give it all to God. The second part, love your neighbor as yourself, we describe that as service or ministry. So we have worship and we have service in the first scripture. The second, the second scripture, the Great Commission, it says, go and make disciples. Go into all the world and make disciples. We describe that as evangelism. Go into all the world and share the love of Jesus Christ that, that has for us. To go into all the world and explain the greatest gift that we've ever been given, which is grace. To say, look, we were separated from God. Therefore, Jesus came down and died on the cross for our sins. He paid the punishment for us. So now we have a great relate. We have the ability to have a relationship with our Father, which once was back in Eden. We share that love that we have from God. And then it says to go and teach everything that I have commanded you. So now that you have people who have devoted their lives to Christ, now you have to teach discipleship. Look, everything that I've learned over the years of ministry, everything that I've learned through reading Scripture, every book that I've ever read, look, let, let me come alongside you and share all of that knowledge to you. That is discipleship. And the last thing you see in those Scriptures is baptism. Baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism is the coolest thing that I think you can experience or witness in the church. This is the first time in the walk when you read the scriptures of Jesus where something not from this world enters into this world and crosses our timeline. It was the very first time that people around in baptism witnessed, it says, that the Spirit descended like a dove onto Jesus. So something from this world, which is grace, is entering into our lives, which is a linear timeline, and now we get to live in coexistence with our Christ. Baptism is described as entering, you being out of the body, entering into the body of believers. When someone is baptized here on stage, not only are they receiving and, and entering into an eternity with Christ, but they're entering into a body and fellowship with the believers right in front. Being a part of the body is very important. And these five things that I just mentioned in these two verses should be the main focus of every single church. At Catalyst, at Elevate, any church that preaches Jesus Christ as the Son of God, worship, service, evangelism, discipleship, and baptism should be the main focus. But here's the thing. That makes you a healthy church. That doesn't make you an excellent church. I'm going to brag on the elders and staff here at Catalyst. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a history, a history lesson. Back in 2017-18, um, there was a really big struggle with us on staff. Dave has talked, uh, kind of hinted at it on his sermons over the years. Um, but we were trying to figure out how are we going to plant a church? Like, how are we going to send, are we going to send people out? Are we going to find a planter and send him out? Are we just going to partner with another organization and give them money and try to support that person? How in the world are we going to plant a church? We feel called to plant a church. How are we going to do it? And we ended up going uh, to a conference called Exponential Conference in 2017. And we came back with a wholehearted ex um, vision that we were going to send people out of this church 
somewhere. Maybe it's on the other part, Nicholsville, Lexington, surrounding counties. We feel really called that we were going to do that. We wanted to be a main source in planting a church. But what we did is we looked around at what we were doing at the church. And even though they were really good things and they were great things, and they're putting our name out in the community, and it was a lot of fun. It felt like Catalyst was firing at all cylinders, being on staff, like we were clicking really well. It was, we were having a blast. But we realized that the things we were doing here at Catalyst, we could not replicate. If we brought somebody on staff and said, here's a, here's a good formula of how to plant a church, why don't you go into Lexington, go plant a church, good luck, they would have probably failed. And I remember sitting in that staff meeting, and we're like, well, now what? If, if the things that we're doing at Catalyst can't replicate, are we supposed to reshuffle? Are we supposed to stop everything we're doing? Are we supposed to change the way the church looks completely? What are we supposed to do? And I remember John, Dave, and I getting into arguments, deciding on what's important and what's not important. I remember uh, basically canceling my entire calendar, Dave canceling his entire calendar, John canceling his entire calendar, just to figure out what are we supposed to do to make the greatest impact for Christ as possible. And we came across something called the main thing that you guys still do to this day. We said, if we keep the main thing the main thing, we put God first in everything we do. If we go about things and we, we put everything in worship, we put everything in service, and if everything that we do makes disciples, then we're going to be all right. I'm going to brag on the elders because we as a staff went to the elders in that time and said, I think we should cancel all of these things and we should only do these things because these things make disciples. And the elders in that moment made a decision that everything we do is going to make sure that it follows the main thing, which is to put God first in everything, and everything that we do is going to make disciples. I learned a very valuable lesson in that moment that you can do a lot of really cool things, a lot of great things, but it might not fall in line with an excellent church in the community. I learned a valuable lesson that was taught by Jesus multiple times, which I want to share with you guys. And it took a completely different personal meaning to me uh, in that moment. So what does it mean to give God your best for his glory? See, a healthy, a healthy church can produce excellence. You can, probably, you can probably point out a church in this community today that is an excellent church. You would describe it as an excellent church. Or in America, you can describe an excellent church over in China or anybody in the, around the world. You can say, like, look, they are producing excellence. But there is one key factor that gets in the way of excellence, and that's yourself. That's self. The, e the ego, the belief that you can elevate yourself along with the church, that is the one thing that will get in the way of going from a healthy church to an excellent church. So here's the hard truth. You can be a healthy church and elevate yourself as well. You can do really good things. You can, you can make an impact in community. You can baptize a billion people in the world and also elevate yourself as well. It felt really good to do ministry here at times. There's times where I had like 40, 45 kids in the youth group. We were, we were on the verge of moving up here because the basement was so small. I had lock-ins at, at times that had like 120 kids. 
I remember going and feeling amazing doing fall and winter retreats with a bunch of other youth groups. My community group was exploding, a group full of mid-20-year-olds. that We had almost no kids, and it felt like a party every single time we got together. I had the, like the best time with Dave and John. We were, we were having a great time doing ministry together. We were, and we were all getting these opportunities to speak all over Kentucky. Dave was, was, was on the verge of, of going and speaking like every month at this, an event. John was getting opportunities to speak everywhere. I was getting opportunities to speak at different youth groups and different youth conferences and stuff like that. And I realized in that moment that it felt really good. It felt real good to have all those numbers. I started to, we started, I don't know about John and Dave, but I started to feel like kind of big stuff. It felt like everything that we, we did here at Catalyst was just exploding, and it was just producing numbers, and it was producing great money for the kingdom, and it was producing what we thought was great discipleship. And I can tell you, we were a healthy church. We were a healthy church. And there was a time when I was here at Catalyst that I thought that we were producing excellence. But the one thing that got in the way of Catalyst becoming, going from healthy to excellence was myself. Instead of giving God the glory, I was like, well, maybe we can just grow together. Maybe the youth group and the and this Sunday morning experience can grow together alongside us. Maybe we can all grow together. Everybody wins. All of these things produce worship, ministry, evangelism, discipleship, and baptisms, but we can feel pretty high about ourselves and still produce good things. But praise be to God, he works everything for his glory and not for us. The lesson I learned was from when Jesus was tempted by Satan. If you guys remember that story, it was right after he turned, he went to the party, the wedding, turned water into wine. It was like coming off a high note, and everybody started to hear about Jesus. And it said, the Spirit led him to the desert to be tempted by the devil. To, to, to not eat and not be, uh, to not drink for 40 days, to go for a 40-day fast to be tempted by Satan. And this was the conversation he had. In Luke 4, 1 through 13, it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end, and the, sorry, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell the stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to the highest place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. 
Jesus answered, it is said, do not put your, the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil had finished all of his tempting, and he left him until an opportune, until an opportune time. See, I understand all of these. Like, no, duh, don't listen to anything Satan does. Like, don't listen to Satan. Like, that's, that's like number one, like, Bible thing. Like, you become baptized, don't listen to Satan. Okay, we're good to go. But there is one part in this scripture that would actually benefit Jesus. See, if he turned bread or stones into bread, that would only benefit him. If he was to gain all of authority over all of the world, that would, that would only benefit him. But the very last one, where it says that if he went to the highest point of the temple and he was to jump off of that, that he would not be harmed. The temple of that time was the center of the entire city. Everyone was at the temple. And if Jesus jumped off of that temple, everybody would have seen it. Everybody would have applauded Jesus and said, man, you must be the son of God. We need to follow you. Everyone probably would have been converted in that moment. No better way to praise God than, than Jesus doing amazing things, right? Why didn't he do it? I think Jesus understood something that I didn't for many years. Jesus didn't come to this earth to be praised. Jesus came down to this earth to make his focus on the cross. The church doesn't do something amazing so Catalyst's name can be known across the world. Catalyst, we don't do things so John or Dave or Donovan or Jenny's names can be known across the entire nation to get on speaking rotations and write books. We don't do that. We do it so people will fix their eyes on the cross only. See, an excellent church gives God your, the excellent church, you give your God your best for his glory. You don't give God your best for your glory or that you be praised. You give God your best for his glory. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. But before the last song, um, I have one more point for you guys. And this isn't on the screen, and it's not on the Bible app because I added it too late, and I didn't get it to John. But Satan will use your greatest strengths against you. As an individual and as a church, don't open the door to these things. This is the one failing point. Satan goes to Jesus when he's starving and says, dude, you're hungry, just make bread, just look at these rocks, make bread, all the problem solution, let's just get it done right now. And Jesus understands that obedience and fasting gives glory to God. See, Satan will go to churches and make them question how they spend their time. Jesus, or Satan will go to churches and say, do you really need to spend time with widows? Like, that doesn't benefit you. Do you really need to spend time with orphans? Like, that doesn't benefit you. Do you really need to spend time with people in jail? Like, they're in jail. Like, they're not going to come to your church. Why would you even go there? That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Satan will go to churches and talk about church planning and say, why are you sending all those people? Like, that's going to hurt the congregation. If you send people out, there's going to be less people here. There's going to be less money coming in here for missions. Like, you're, there's a chance that you're going to be hurt. 
I mean, why do we need a church, another church anyways? Like, why do we, we have plenty of churches out there. Why do we need another church? See, Catalyst, people of Catalyst in front of me, people of Elevate Christian Church, if we want to be an excellent church, then we need to give. But not just give our best. We need to give and expect nothing in return so that God can get all the glory. This is how awesome God is. And I'm going to tell this story, and then we're going to sing our last song. And this is all glory to God. When I was on staff about eight months before I was leaving, Dave came to my office. Um, he, he didn't normally come to my office. He's a lone ranger. You can ask John. And uh, I never knew he, when he left or came. Um, he's a very focused human. Like, and he came to my office and said, uh, hey, how many people or do you know who's going to come with you to plant this church? And I said, look, I, I have no idea who's going to come with me to plant this church. I made a decision, and I told you and I told the elders that I wasn't going to personally go to somebody and ask them to come with me to plant a church. I really wanted to, to invite the entire church, and whoever feels called to come and plant this church, they should come and plant this church. The only person I asked to come was Lisa Sayer, uh, because I wanted her to lead my, uh, my worship. I wanted her to lead uh, the music. And I assume her husband's coming. I haven't asked him yet. I just asked Lisa. Um, so you can assume that at least one of them are coming. And we had a long conversation, and Dave's like, like I, I know that we, we talked about this, but I want to make sure that we plan um, for financial hardship during this time. Like maybe we need to store some money away. Maybe we don't need to hire a youth minister right away. We, I just want to make sure that we set both churches up for success as much as possible. And after talking for a long time, uh, we came up with the conclusion that we weren't going to do that, that we were going to pray that God was going to financially secure both churches on the day that Elevate Christian Church was planted. So the day that as soon as Elevate Christian Church planted, we found out that about 35 people left this congregation and went over to Lexington to plant another congregation that's about 17% of this congregation left to go plant another church. And instantly in that month, both Catalyst and Elevate were comp completely financial secure in their current state. Here's the craziest part. God provided all the people that left here to go to Elevate as you can tell, this room is completely full. He has already brought people to replace the people that left so that Cattle's Christian Church can still make the exact same impact that they were making before we planted this church. And now, Elevate, starting with 35 people, has doubled in size to 70 people, 20 of which are little kids. So if you ever come, you see like little heads like bouncing above the, above the chairs. And Elevate, after two months, was completely financially secure just by the tithes of the people in the church. We started with 180 people here in this building. And at this point, both of our churches combined for 250 people. Because Cattle's Christian Church decided to move from a healthy church, and in that moment, an excellent church, 
to give everything with nothing in return for God's glory, we have produced so many more people on a weekly basis get to hear and worship the one true God. Catalyst, if we want to make and continue to be an excellent church and make excellent decisions, we need to make sure we give it all. We give it all to God. And we expect that his glory will be shown amongst all of Kentucky, amongst all of the United States, and amongst all the nations. Because we expect nothing in return, but we expect Jesus' name to be known across all eternity.